First up, vaccines. Most of us want one. Everyone eligible will have been or soon will be offered a vaccine for free here in Ireland. It's a key part of our recovery as we emerge from the worst of the pandemic. This isn't the case the world over. Some countries are still battling overwhelming numbers of COVID cases with health systems struggling, mostly staffed by unvaccinated healthcare workers and vaccine distribution is still weighted really heavily towards wealthy Western nations. Meanwhile, it appears that the G7 leaders are to issue a declaration later today in an effort to ensure that the devastation caused by this pandemic won't be repeated in future, with plans for a 100-day pandemic response manual and a global early warning system. To discuss this, I'm joined now by Colm O'Gorman, Executive Director of Amnesty Ireland. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. Um, We've seen the pictures, um, but I suppose it's quite difficult perhaps for us to still grasp. Developing countries, unvaccinated workers, they're still battling against surging infection rates, severe illness and oxygen shortages. Just how unbalanced is this global vaccine rollout? Well, it's enormously unbalanced, Maura. Good morning to you. I mean, just, just to give you some idea of, of the, um, the kind of inequity that we're seeing, uh, more people have been vaccinated in the county of Cornwall in the, in the UK, where this uh, meeting is taking place this weekend, than have been in 22 African countries. Um, by the end of, of, of May of this year, 42% of people in G7 countries, the countries represented at this meeting, had received at least one vaccine dose, and that compares to less than 1% in low-income countries. There, there's ap- the, the level of inequity here is absolutely extraordinary. 28% of all of the COVID, vac- COVID vaccines that are delivered by the end of May were in G7 countries, and that represents just 10% of the world's population. Um, it's, it's quite staggering. I mean, I could go on giving you stats that show it. I mean, the UK has administered twice as many jabs as the entire African continent, despite the fact that its population is 20 times smaller. So the inequity is stark and it's extreme and, and it's getting worse. And you could make the argument perhaps a bit short-sighted because public health, health experts, they've been arguing for a long time now saying, you know, you can't recover at home unless we get our global recovery on queue first because inequitable vaccine distribution amplifies the risk of a variant, which, as we've heard again and again, it could evade immunisation. It was, I think, possibly as early as March 2020 when we heard for the first time the phrase and we were using it ourselves, no one is safe unless all of us are safe. And that related to the need to put in place appropriate public health measures and to ensure that people were in a position to protect themselves and their families from this virus. But of course, that also relates to, to, to uh, vaccines as well. Even if we look right now at the biggest risk that there is at the moment to countries in this region, it's, it's the Delta variant, a variant that has emerged in the global south uh, uh, because India um, was uh, struggling so badly and where vaccination was a massive, massive issue. If we don't vaccinate the global population, new variants will continue to emerge. We've heard concern from immunologists and others, the head of the, the European Medicines Association, saying just yesterday um, that right now they're confident that vaccines are protecting against current variants, but they can't be confident that they'll protect against future variants. And that's why we need to make, need to make sure uh, that everybody globally is vaccinated to suppress this virus and stop new variants from emerging. So it's both a public health imperative but also a human rights imperative that everybody everywhere has equal access to vaccines uh, if we're to to defeat this virus, protect people's health, protect our economies and societies and protect people's human rights. That all makes complete sense on paper and to us talking to each other from our very comfy homes and studios in Ireland. How do we actually, what is the solution here? How do we get vaccines into these countries? 
Well, let's talk about some of the things that will help but will not work or not going to achieve it. A pledge from the G7 to, produce one bil- to make sure that one billion vaccines go to the global south over the next year is a drop in the ocean. That won't, uh, that won't vaccinate the population of India, uh, never mind um, the rest of the world. I mean, you know, a, a billion two-dose vaccines will vaccinate 500 million people. Uh, it's, it is literally a, a drop in the, open, in the ocean and isn't going to resolve this. The other mechanism that many countries talk to is, is, uh, is COVAX. This is a, an initiative that was set up to distribute vaccines um, to low and middle income countries. It's distributed 77 million doses by the end of May, and that's just a third of its target. And it's cur- at, its, at its current rate of distribution, it's likely to deliver about 250 million doses by the end of the year. And so that's equivalent to about 10% of the poorer countries who are taking part in that program. So those things are not going to work. What absolutely is critical and what will help is to massively ramp up uh, vaccine production to ensure that vaccines are produced in those countries. But in order for that to happen, there needs to be a waiving of the intellectual property uh, um, now held by a very small number of pharma companies who are reaping huge profits. There's been nine new vaccine billionaires created um, over the last year. These countries are reaping massive, massive profits. On a temporary basis, if their intellectual property was waived, there is very, very, very compelling uh, um, evidence that shows that we could um, make enough coronavirus vaccine to vaccinate the world in a year. In other words, that if if, um, uh, the uh, intellectual property rights were waived, if there was uh, appropriate investment to ramp up production at the global level, um, the global community could set up regional hubs capable of producing 8 billion mRNA vaccine doses by the end of May of 2022. That would cover 80% of the world's population. And that's the amount that most experts are saying is necessary to achieve herd immunity in low-income countries. Could the argument so the be made conversely that if we, if that temporary waiver is granted, the European Commission even came out and said very recently that it won't solve the production issues. And then they're saying, you know, if we allow these IPs be given away, that the incentives that these companies have, and like you said, they're very, very rich and have done very well out of it, but they're not going to do it for the good of their health or for the good of the world. So they need to be able to protect the way they innovate or otherwise we might all lose out. 100 billion euros of public money, 100 billion went into producing these vaccines. These vaccines were not produced in the normal way with upfront investment from pharmaceutical companies. Massive amounts of public money went into producing these vaccines. So on a temporary basis for a period of a year or two, to, to deal with this global pandemic, to save people's lives, to protect human rights, to restore societies and economies, um, we believe that these companies should be required, or rather that, that, the, that the WTO should be in a position to set aside um, this IP for a period of two years. After that, uh, um, they get this intellectual property back. And this intellectual property, I mean, the, the breakthroughs in science that have allowed for the production of these vaccines are extraordinary. And they will produce vaccines and, and therapeutics and interventions for a whole range of other uh, diseases and potential viruses into the future. There's plenty of profit there for those companies. And as I already said, nine new billionaires have been created as a result of this investment of 100 billion of public money to produce these vaccines. So on a temporary basis, to protect people's lives, people's health, to protect our societies and our economies globally, 
we believe that IP should be waived. It's a nonsense um, to try to make that argument. And it shows, quite frankly, that the G7, and indeed many countries, including the European Union, seem more interested in protecting the intellectual property rights of big business than they do in protecting the human rights of people around the world. And that's deeply, deeply concerning. Speaking of uh, human rights, um, uh, finally, Colm, and briefly, if you wouldn't mind, we've seen that Myanmar, they've descended into what has been described as a human rights catastrophe as the trial of their ousted leader, Aung San Suu Kyi, to begin on Monday. What are your thoughts on the situation there? It's deeply, deeply concerning. There was a human rights catastrophe unfolding and has been in Myanmar over the last number of years. That the, the, the government that is at least titularly led, or was at least titularly led by Aung San Suu Kyi, was standing by and allowing the military to commit appalling human rights violations against the Rohingya population there. And regrettably, Aung San Suu Kyi herself defended that government when they were accused of crimes against humanity. Um, however, uh, any steps forward that have been made in recent years to restore human rights and democracy in that country have now been completely swept aside as the military um, take control of the country again. And we unfortunately know the dark world that that's going to lead us down. Um, the oppression of freedom of expression, freedom of assembly, the imprisonment as we're seeing folding, uh, unfolding right now in, in Myanmar of those who seek to object to the stripping away of democracy. Um, it's going to be a very, very, very dark time in Myanmar uh, over the future, for, in the coming months and years, unfortunately. Uh, thank you very much for your time this morning. That's Colm O'Gorman, Executive Director of Amnesty Ireland. Music.